Hello, everyone. Welcome back to my pleasure today in in studio or, you know, if you want to picture us like in a basement on a really dirty futon, that's preferred. But today we have my friend Tinks. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. You're kind of like the first real guest to like step into the zone. I'm honored. It's it's going to be like this is going to get a little strange. I, I, I'm ready. <laughs> I came prepared. I already feel like you were uncomfortable with how many tangles that are in your mic. No, I just knew I wanted to lean back. So I wanted to have enough slack so that I could, you know, really get in the zone. When you podcast, do you have tangles in your microphones? I have a I do a headphone and a like a mic in your face situation. So mm-hmm. I don't hold it. I'm hands free, baby. Because mm-hmm. I'm part Italian. So I like to speak a lot of my hands. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know you were part Italian, yeah. but you seem it just because yeah. you like talking and that's very Italian. It, very to me. Italian. Yeah. 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 So welcome to, I guess I would say my world. Mm-hmm. Um, my idea with this show, basically it's been a solo show for a while. Sometimes I'll have my fiance on here and I'm very mean to him. So I'm like, mm. it's, I might, I might be mean to you on accident. I want that. I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready for it to change up. I, I'm ready for a different type of potting experience. <laughs> Um, but basically I have some things I really want to talk about Great. today and I would love for you to just kind of hang out. I love chat. that. I love that. So I want to jump right in because I have something and to the listeners, we were down last week, but we're back and there's something that's been on my mind for, um, over a full week now, if you can imagine. And that is this invention that I came up with called the reassurance challenge. Oh, and I want to run this by you. I want okay. to tell everybody about it. And I want to know what you think and if you relate. So basically, I have re- recently discovered, made a big self-discovery that I am chemically dependent on reassurance. Mm. Like it is such a severe addiction. And I'm pretty sure it's been there forever. Yeah. And I didn't notice how serious it was. I always just thought it was like funny that I'd be like, Hey, are you proud of me? Like, uh, you know, to my mom or to my fiance or to my friends, like, are you proud? I did this. Are you proud? And like, I would always do it kind of half joking, like, oh, it's so funny that I need to ask that. I'm mm-hmm. just so quirky, mm-hmm. but I've slowly realized, wait, that's actually pathetic. And well, I wait, should- hold on. Hmm. Isn't that just that your love language is words of affirmation? Okay. Interesting. I okay. <laughs> wow. I think you just I think you just took your your love language and made or uh, made it a disease and made it a disease and a negative thing. I think you just like words of affirmation. You think that's okay? Of course it's okay. Everybody has a way that they we're all humans. That's the whole point of love love languages. It's like how we connect and how we feel good from other people. And I think yours is words of affirmation. Okay. But keep going. Okay. I love that theory, although I am currently working on a stand-up bit where I basically have discovered that I think I basically I, I read about all the love languages and I like all of them. And I'm like, I think my love language is just recipient. Like I like to receive all those things. <laughs> um, but that's wait, that's encouraging what you just said. I think you don't have a disease. I think you just <laughs> I think you just like people to tell that's fine that's, do you like that mine is more acts of service 
And by that, I mean, you know, people, you hear that and you think like, oh, I want my boyfriend to like go to war for me. But that's not what it is. I want them to. There's nothing wrong with that, though. Nothing wrong with that either. But. It's more just like, do you show up for me? Like if I'm, if I have to do like a little event, like will you come to it? Like, or if I'm having a bad day, will you like be there? So mine is very much acts of service. Or like if I really need you to like move my car, (laughs) will you do it for me? Or something like that. Couldn't you argue though that you love all the love languages? Of course. Okay. But But, you, but I'm not like, like, okay, here, this is, this is a better angle that we can discuss it from. I, uh, everyone likes to be told nice things, but words of affirmation don't mean that much to me because I am an action speak louder than words things. Like, I don't know, like you could psychoanalyze me any which way, but for me, when people say like, you know, oh, that was really good. Like, I don't necessarily believe them. Okay. So a few things are coming up. Okay. One do you, cause okay, basically what I'm working towards saying here with my reassurance need is I'm worried that mm. it comes from a place of complete low self-worth. Cause it's like, mm. why do I need to be told that someone is proud? Why do I need to be told, oh, you look good? Like that, that's why I feel like it's a disease because I'm like, I should have self-worth and not yeah. need to hear those things. And now you saying that you don't need to hear those things. I would assume just means that you already feel like self-worth and self-value and like you don't need to be told whatever kind of reassurance or validation. Uh, at the risk of alienating all of my new friends, a.k.a. your listeners. The three people. I will say that I I have good self-esteem. I, I, I would say that. But I, that's not the reason for me not needing words of affirmation. Maybe it's part of it, but more it's just that I really think talk is cheap. Like I've always felt that way. And maybe that's from like, I don't know. I don't know where that's from, but I've always felt like people can say whatever they want. They can say they love you. They can say your work is good. They can say you did a good job, but like I need proof. Wait, that's so true. Wait, wait. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. And actions it's so speak louder easy than words. to just say good job. You're pretty. I like exactly. you. It's so easy. It, and it's like, you know, it's a big thing in my relationships because I'm like, of course, it's always nice for someone to say like, I love you. But for me, it's like, but but do you like, do you comfort me when I'm crying? Or like, do you do you stick with me through hard times or whatever? And it's like, okay, you say or like with my work, like you say my work is good. But like, how, how like, is it is it? helping people is it getting noticed by the you know is is it actually checking like how's my podcast you know numbers all that kind of stuff so i'm a very which maybe that's a different type of insecurity i don't know well no i really you're making me realize that i obviously you're making me want to prioritize actions as well because talk is cheap and it's almost like you know what it is it's a really it's a quick hit yeah, exactly. It's a quick, instant validation hit. Yeah. Like, like to me, when someone says, like, you look pretty, it means nothing to me. I kind of am jealous of that. Like, it, I kind yeah. of, that's cool. Yeah. Cause it shouldn't mean anything. It, no, it's, I mean, it's nice to receive compliments. And, and I think I'm trying to receive compliments more graciously because it's, it's very abrasive when, sometimes I'll rebuff a compliment. Like even if it's like a close friend or like my mom, you know, saying like, Oh, you looked really good last night. And I'll be like, no, I didn't like, or I'll not because I don't believe it because I'm just like, that doesn't mean anything to me. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. it's just like words. Yeah. So 
I I don't know. It's we're both fucked. I think. <laughs> <laughs> it's not looking good for either of us. The, no, the diagnosis. But I. So basically, what I wanted to do was like go. My challenge was I wanted to go ten days without seeking any reassurance. Oh, you should absolutely do that and try it. Okay, and I think it's. I've realized because I've tried starting it a few times in the last week, and it there's so many different versions of me seeking reassurance yeah. that pop up. Yeah, where Dave will be like, "That's technically like, oh, you know what it was," which I'm so embarrassed to admit, but it, I was like feeling of of course like super honesty here like i was guilty that i ate too much because i was traveling this weekend yeah so i was like out of my routine yeah yeah. and like we had midnight food delivery party whatever and then the then the next day i was like do you think i was like i feel like i ate do you think that was too much whatever and then dave is like what yeah of course because guys are like what are you talking about he's like that's reassurance that's yeah and so i really like I see it everywhere in my life creeping in and I just don't want to be so addicted to it because yeah. I think it's lame. Well, I get that. And I think that, you know, you have to be like gentle and kind to yourself because I think more than anything, it's like a habit. Yes. Like, and it's just like a habit that you want to break, which I think is awesome. And by the way, I love little challenges and like things to do like that with yourself. So definitely do it. I would say like, what, d- right every everyone down like every time you go to it like keep a note in your phone i'm obs- i have so many weird notes in my phone Me like too. I, I keep it. a list of all the big cries of the year <gasps> i keep a list of like like literally everything so at, for the 10 day challenge every time you almost say it or you do accidentally slip up write it down and then you can like correlate like what are the things that you need reassurance most about oh yes like yeah and then if i were you the other thing i, was, I would do is like Try to really dig into like what are non-verbal things that make you feel like happy and good, like that other people do for you. And then so that you can try and like swap them out. Like maybe if it's like your fiance like asks you to do something or like he like nothing compliment or reassurance related or like he'll like bring you a coffee or I don't know, something like that. And you're like, so you can try and start swapping out the habit. You're so good at like, I feel like I want to, can you be my therapist? Like I I love this stuff. I'm very into it. But why are you so good at it? I'm not that good at it. I just think that when you start, like when you start working on yourself, it's just a way of thinking and it's like a lot easier than people think. And it's just, you read enough of the books, you do enough work in therapy and you're just like, I'm also a very action oriented person. Like mm-hmm. I'm not that good at when people like I have I'm not I'm good at like action stuff. But if someone just wants to vent, I'm awful. Like I'm very impatient. And I'm like, OK, well, what are we going to do about it? Let's make a plan. Let's make a list. Like, you know, I can be very I can be harsh sometimes in that sense. So you think I'm good, but I'm just action oriented. That makes sense. And I've, I really like I feel like the same way. Like if when my friends want to vent, I do that thing that I'm lately reading. You're not supposed to do, which is I'm like you should do this and this because I'm yeah action items yeah I love those well so now what I have to do is like when someone starts one of my friends I say do you want help or do you want to vent yes which is like such an unlock for me because then when they say vent I can like not switch off but I can like chill myself out and be like tanks like you don't need to say anything like this is not your time to speak like you just listen yes it's but you have to catch it early because otherwise I'm like well you can't do that and it's like especially with like boyfriend stuff you know when someone just like 
nonstop bitches about their boyfriend or yeah, like whatever, yeah. whatever, or what you know, and you're just like, you've been saying the same fucking thing for a year. And sometimes people just need to vent about their boyfriend. But me, I'm like, let's create a plan so that you can <laughs> be independent and leave him and like, rah, 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 and it's like, relax. I've had a girlfriend before ask me before I like went off, you know, I called her, I was like, can we talk about something? And she's like, before you start, do you want comfort or do you want advice? Yeah. And I was like, whoa. And for me, my my thing is I always want advice. Yeah. Like if I'm same. Oh I my can't, God. I'm not sharing this shit if I'm not getting help out of it. No, no, no. I find it like actually gives me anxiety to just vent. Like I, I don't, I would rarely say something with no question at the end of it. Like, only to my therapist would I be like, I'm feeling really blah or like, you know, things that don't have a pointed question. Like I would never say that to a friend because I just, it's like, to me, I would be thinking ahead to them thinking, what can I say to her? Do you yeah. know what I mean? And I yeah. just, I find a lot of like venting and comforting, like kind of awkward, like just because I think I have an anxious mind and I'm like, I wouldn't want to put someone in that position that I feel so awkward in because I don't really know know what to say when someone's venting. Yeah. I'm going to be honest with you. When someone just wants to like vent, I don't I don't know how to help them and I'm not that comforting. That's Does that good, make sense? Yes, of course. I actually feel like I'm a very similar kind of friend. Yeah. And yeah, no, that and it's also just so good that you know that about yourself. And back to what you said about like, oh, you know, everyone has like a friend that just constantly bitches about their boyfriend. Like I was reading about this recently because I've had relationships in my life where, I, you know, whether it's any any kind of relationship and and then you vent about it to others and you are always venting about it. Like I've been on that side where I'm that person. And I read that like basically the reason we do that is it makes us feel like we're solving the problem. Yeah, but it exactly. Does nothing. Yeah, because it's like, why have I for years wanted to vent about one friend, but I've never done anything about it? Like, right. I'm always, I always look back on that phase of my life, and I'm like, what the fuck was I doing? And it's like, it's this fake. Your brain thinks you're solving the problem by complaining, but yeah. it does nothing. It's like a sickening, it's, sick, it's, sick. It's a pattern. It's another <laughs> habit. It's, it's like our brain. One thing I wish that they would teach kids really young is like how easily your brain can get into a pattern Dude. and it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true right so like for example with that the problem solving thing is a great example or like your reassurance thing like it's just a loop that your brain is in but it doesn't necessarily mean it's true and like we tell ourselves shit all the time we tell ourselves shit like one day when we're 13 we're like you're fat and then our brain tells us that for the next fucking 10 years and it's not true but our brain just got into a little loop and told us over and over and over again and it's like it's it's a hard concept to teach people young people especially because it's like well wait can we not trust our brains and the truth is we can't (laughs) i know it's so it's so wild like like it's a it's a our brain is a tool and a muscle that we have to learn how to use it's like a car you learn to drive well it's so it makes no sense too because your brain is technically for sure the thing that keeps you safe like that's you should so why wouldn't you trust that the most your brain is keeping you alive exactly but it's like making you fucking crazy yes exactly i love talking about loops and i feel like you are probably seasoned in them just by the way you're talking about them i one i'm always trying to find and discover what my loops are in my head like my brain patterns my habits and i've recently slash also known for the last like 15 years i think a big loop that i'm i have 
in my like brain operating system is caused from this like traumatic high school breakup that I had Mm -hmm. that um, I think that it sets me on this loop that I just think everyone is going to leave me Mm -hmm. because my high school love like dumped me. And I'm just curious, do you, with all of your awareness of your loops, are, are you able to, is it, are you like, oh, this is easy now, that's a loop, I, or is it still a struggle for you? Because I felt like, oh, I'm aware of it, it'll be fixed, but that's not the case. No, it's still so hard. I mean, being aware of it is really like less than half the battle, right? Because you it? still have okay. to do the work. You know, you mm-hmm. still have to, the the easiest way to, to fix it is to replace it with a new one. Mm-hmm. And so like that trick is like, you know, whatever you work it out in therapy and maybe it's like a long winded new loop. Like I'll take yours as, as mm-hmm. an example. So, okay. You, your loop was like, everyone will leave me because my high school boyfriend left me, mm-hmm. whatever. And then you do all this work in therapy. Just to be clear, I'm 34 years old. <laughs> so I just want, no, but it's real. <laughs> that shit stays with you. It, it does. And Scary. it's, it's like, if you don't process it. And, and by the way, just to go on a tangent, like that's what, that's what happens if you don't like process your shit from your childhood is that those loops stay. And that's why people are like 45 and still angry at their parents. And I'm like, okay, well, you just never, you never processed and you never broke the loops. Like you have to get to a point where you're like, my parents are parents. Like they did their best. Like I'm going to get over it. Like I'm an adult now. Anyway. So for you, maybe in therapy, you like go through this whole thing with your therapist and you get to a place where you believe them, where it's like you see that that was just one experience and all the other evidence in your life shows that that's not a pattern. It's just a blip. Mm -hmm. And you really believe that. So then you know that long thing. So you can say it in your head, but maybe it takes like a minute to map out everything that your therapist told you about that. And then as time goes on, and so every time you think of the bad loop, you think stop, control, alt, delete. And then you replace with the new loop and you say it all out in your head and it takes a while. And then as you get going faster and faster and faster, like you can just say, stop, control, delete, new loop. And you don't even have to like say the new loop because it's like your brain is just like, yeah, I remember that to be true. I remember her, my therapist reasoning was sound. So therefore, that's the truth now. I love the control, delete, like that helps me. It's a powerful tool that I use a lot. So one of the things which sounds that... Basically, one of the things I've been trying to do, which is like seems like in the universe of what you just explained, what is literally in my head, imagining some of those traumatic moments where like he broke up with me and then never spoke to me again and being like, oh, no, that never happened. Yeah. Like literally just lying, which sounds so like just crazy like almost like I'm on drugs like that's so weird you can't change your history but I'm so willing to do anything even if it seems silly just because I'm like of course I don't want to have this anxious attachment anymore because yeah it's it's not serving you and it's like our brains play tricks on us all the time so why why shouldn't we play tricks on our brains back right Ooh. It's a war. It's a war. Like Lana said, she's got a war in her mind. There you go. Um, so another thing that I wanted to talk about is you and I both watched uh, the show on the FX Hulu show, Fleischman is in Trouble. Yeah. And it rocked my world. Rocked my world. In it, uh, it basically rocked my world because if you haven't seen it, it's a really great show. It's on Hulu. Um, and the character that Lizzie Kaplan plays, like basically 
it kind of messed me up because she was like married. She, she was married with children living in the suburbs. It seemed, I think she had quit her job, but she had like pursued her career for a while. And it just felt like she landed in this place of life in life where she was like unhappy and I'm doing a bad job explaining it, but it freaked me out because it made me feel like, wait, marriage and kids and even a little bit of career, like you can feel so trapped in life. And it just got me feeling really scared. I don't know. Maybe you can take what I just said and make it better. Yeah. I think, I think the reason that it, it really resonated with or not resonated, but scared a lot of women is that it tells the story of basically these two women, Rachel and Libby and, um, how they both are kind of probably early forties and just really, really struggling in their lives and feeling trapped in different ways. And Rachel is this super high powered talent agent who lives in New York. She's going through a divorce. She's having an affair. She's kind of having a mental breakdown. She was never really seen or appreciated by her now ex-husband. And then you have on the polar opposite, um, Libby, who, uh, you know, she wanted to be this great writer and worked at a men's magazine and was kind of like written by, written by a man for a long time and then moves to the suburbs, quits her job, never writes the book, has kids, ha- has this super adoring husband, but is just like ultimately dissatisfied and mm-hmm. like trying to take it out on, you know, her kids or her husband or her friends or whatever. But really she feels weighed down by the, her unfulfilled potential. Yeah. And maybe what was so scary about it was seeing two very different women in their early 40s who seem to have, who are beautiful and seem to have a lot that everyone wants, but were very traumatized by life and unhappy. And I think I look at that and one place my brain goes, obviously I make it about me and I'm like, oh my God, like that's going to be me. That is me. And then I also take it a step further and i'm like well shit if it's these two women how is it not everyone like not to be like all or nothing and catastrophize the show but i kind of have this theory about my own life where i always say to myself like one of my mantras for myself is there's no one like me but everyone is like me Mm. and i kind of am applying that here i'm just like one how do you not end up miserable like in that TV show and also is or is it inevitable and that's just part of like the human experience of being a woman living in a big city? No, I I don't think it is. I think it's very hard. I think it's very hard. Am I going to say this? Yeah. To be happy and fulfilled as a woman. I think it's difficult in in middle age. I really do. Wow. Why? For many reasons, some that even go beyond the show. I think women are put in an impossible position with the choice between career and kids. Mm -hmm. And, and we're, we're told we have all this choice and all this freedom now, but we still have our biological clock ticking. Um, so like I could go on, but that's one thing. Then you have the fact that from the time that women are born, they're told that their best asset is their looks. Yeah. And, but also from the time they hit 18, that's a depreciating asset essentially. Mm-hmm. And, and to feel your worth, I'm putting that in quotes, it, to the world depreciate is 
a horrifying and scary experience. And I do feel like we're fighting back more now more than ever, but it's not, the battle is not won and it's going to be a difficult one. Um, and then the third reason is that I think a lot of women settle and I think a lot of women get married for the wrong reasons to the wrong partners. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, as Cheryl Sandberg says, who you marry or who you partner with is the most important decision that you're going to make for your career, for your happiness, for everything. So, and I, by the way, I don't fault women for no, me either. marrying the wrong guy or settling or rushing into stuff because there I, is no, I can think of crazy, seven wrong guys that I would be married to yeah, if they were willing. Like there, there's so much pressure. There's so much pressure, but I think the odds are stacked against women for happiness. I love all this. And also on top of the pressure, it's like, dude, the fucking like love chemicals when you fall in love with someone new are insane. Like, how do you not marry every person that you have that with? No, it's crazy. And it's like, you can feel it if you are like, I feel myself change. And I, that's a very scary experience for me when I fall in love. Like Mm -hmm. I feel myself, not my values shift, but I feel myself letting go of certain things that are you know I, like i i work less hard sometimes bro I, like it, yeah it's, it's scary and I, and I think you know to be really really vulnerable like i really worry about that if i have a child like i love how my brain works right now and i know that the love you feel for a child is like insurmountable like nothing you can even fathom before you have one and like that honestly frightens me a little bit yeah and you and i had dinner recently and we talked about this a lot and like because it's a subject that in obviously mostly in private conversations i like to have with women who are on the same page as me of like gosh i'm like in my 30s i love what i do i'm fulfilled by what i do I would love to have a kid, but I'm, I don't think I'm ready. And so it's this weird, like, there's like what you just said. It's like a perfect example of a, th- of a perfectly naturally occurring thought of like, if I do it, I, but I like how things are now and then I'll do it and everything will change. Yeah. And I'll, so yeah, there's so many thoughts there. And also the point that you made about like being a woman and just every, every step you take in life, you, you're doing it while also knowing that your quote unquote most valuable asset is like depreciating Yeah, is so that makes me so sad. It's so sad. It, and I want to, I obviously want to sit here and say like, no, I don't buy that. And I think part of me doesn't buy it, but uh, also part of me is like, no, that's true. And that makes me sad. And it makes me feel like this struggle that we're, we're all just up against and it's like obviously a societal cultural thing whatever so yay <laughs> yeah and i like that's something that i had to create create a loop about because it was oh. giving it gave, gave me so much anxiety like i've thought about this since i was very young like this happiness thing and the the looks thing like i've always been keenly aware that this is like as you said I would love to rage against it and be like, that's not true. And like, I don't believe that a woman's worth is her looks, of course. Right. But for all intents and purposes in the world, like that's a big thing. Yeah. So my loop is like, well, what will I do when I'm no longer like valuable to society looks wise? And I'm like, that's why it was so important for me to find 
joy in my work Mm. because I look at the women who are older than me who are happy and they all not all of them but the ones that specifically I look up to have like are really engaged in their careers and are and are always growing and evolving and like always working on things for their whole lives and so that's like my safety like that's how I catch myself when I feel anxious about that is like but I love what I do and I know that will grow and evolve and that will nourish me and make me feel good for my whole life well I'll also add on to that that it doesn't even necessarily need to be what you do that that you love and brings you joy it's like as long as there are things in your life that bring you joy and like add value to yes. your life no matter yes. what it is it, that could be family exactly it could be kids it could be it kids could be kids it could be um literally just hobbies like, yes agreed that's a good thing to that's a good pivot for the habit loop of like, yeah, for the loop of like, I'm ugly. Wait, no, I love to sew. So everything's fine. And it's like, but it's like empowering. It's, it, it can be empowering where you're just like, I think that, you know, most women feel pressure to look a certain way. I think that's fair to say in at least the States, whatever. And I think it's powerful to just try to start warming yourself up to the unlock that it's like, it's really just the power that you give it, right? It's like how much weight do you put on society's view of you? And if you say like, well, actually that's not where I get my joy from. I think it's hard because we're all also raised to seek validation from men. Mm -hmm. And so those two are like tied up together. But it's like if you can uncouple those things, if you can uncouple feeling valuable and satisfied from seeking validation from men, like that's a really powerful pivot too. Yeah, I've I'm seeing the TikToks about people decentering their lives from men. Is that yeah. basically? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of good shit going on 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 TikTok with this stuff, and it's like again, as we said, it's an uphill battle. But it's like I think you know when you have people like Julia Fox being like, no, like I don't like getting age, age oh, aging is amazing and it's cool, and it's like you know seeing her talk about aging and. It, that's helpful. That's mm-hmm. really helpful. The more we see women doing things on their own terms and really just, you know, yeah, decentralizing their life for men, I think the better we can be. And again, that doesn't mean that you can't be madly in love with a man and marry him and have a great time and everything like that. It's just like we are literally in, it's ingrained in our brains from when we're, we can think and talk like you need to be pretty for men. Mm-hmm. And that's a very hard thing to unlearn. Yeah. And it's like in some ways it's like completely innocent. And then in other ways, like it can really fuck up your whole life. Exactly. So you got to really just be aware. Yeah. Um, On this show, I have a segment called Hot Girl Homework. Oh, I love it. And today the hot girl homework for me and to you know assign to everyone is it's actually it happens to be something that i've heard that you do a lot on your instagram which Mm. is i've never done this but i really want to put my head oh face blanching yeah face blanching okay what's also because i want to ask you about it but i want to tell you that i'm super embarrassed about a conversation that we had years ago where i asked you because you've talked on your insta stories about like 
I think it was like you would talk about like eating sodium and then feeling like sushi face. Yeah, sushi face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I've never had that. I don't know mm-hmm. what that is. And then I realized it's just because like I just didn't know what it was. And now I've seen it on myself and I was really naive. Sushi face <laughs> is when you eat sushi or anything really salty, but it really gets you bad when you have sushi. Um, and you look puffy the next day. And I just like retain water like none other. I mean, I literally look at a gra- grain of salt and I'm. I'm a blowfish the next day. So have you face blanched yet? No. Okay. Give me everything. Well, so I love it. I'm like obsessed with depuffing. Like I could give an entire TED talk on how to depuff yourself. (laughs) You can give me, you can tell me what you ate specifically and how much time you have. And I will tell you how to fix it. Oh my God. Um, That's so useful. But specifically face blanching is an amazing tool The reason I actually learned it is because it resets your nervous system. If you do it, it's like actually for anxiety. Yeah. And my therapist, one of my cognitive behavioral therapists taught me. And it's really good. So you get a big bowl of like a popcorn bowl or a puke bowl, if you know what I mean. (laughs) And you fill it with water and ice and then you dunk your face and like for for like you know hold your breath like really get it in there it's cold it's good for you and you hold it for like you know five ten seconds do it like three or four times and it also like massively decreases swelling what does this do for you mentally it really helps with anxiety because it it uh it resets your i forgot what that nervous system is called but it's parasympathetic yes exactly yes it resets it and it's like it shocks you and it like totally if anybody else has done this stuff, it's like, you know, you, you're you like, you, you need to get into your body and you can't if you're really anxious or you're kind of having a panic attack on set. Yeah. It gets you back into your body really easily and it just kind of resets. Like, like it grounds you. Great, great for depuffing too. Do you do the, is this something that you do every morning or do you just do it like No, randomly? I do it, you know, whenever I feel anxious or if I'm super puffy. I mean, I have like ice rollers too and they're great, but something about like submerging the whole thing, it also just like wakes you up, makes you feel amazing. It makes me think of like such classic old Hollywood vibes because in Mommy Dearest, like yeah. one of the first scenes is Joan Crawford stick, like dumping she her does face it? in ice. Yeah. To depuff. Yeah. It's pretty... I was like, oh, that's like old technology. But now I'm like, wait, it still, it holds up. It holds up. Yeah. And it's also good if you're traveling and you like wake up and you know, you're in a hotel room and you're like, fuck my life. You know what I mean? You just have those mornings where you're in a strange hotel room and you're just like, I, whatever I did last night, I don't like it. That that could be like eating weird food or getting too drunk with your coworkers on a business Mm -hmm. trip or whatever it is. But I highly recommend you do it. Okay, I'm going to do that. Have you cold plunged or taken a cold shower? So I just bought a cold plunge. You did? Yeah. That's insane. I did. I'm like very committed to... Have you done it? No, I haven't set it up yet. But have you ever cold plunged? Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. I did it this summer. I went to this like hiking retreat and I did it every day and I was like obsessed with it. And so that's why I got it. Are you... Do you identify as a girl who hates being cold and who's always cold? Um, I am always cold, but I don't hate it. Like, I really, really hate being hot. To me, that's way more annoying. That's like insane to me when people pick that they would rather be hot than cold. Like, when I'm hot, I become like the mask. Like, Is it Jim too Carrey, warm the in mask. here right now? I have no, the heat it's blessing. lovely. Okay. It's lovely. Okay. It takes a lot to get me there, but then when I'm there, I'm like, I cannot fucking do this. 
talk to me about cold plunges. Like, is there any way you could convince me to like get in a cold bath or take a cold shower? Because I feel like for two years I've been saying I'm going to do this because it'll be good for my anxiety. And then I just am like, oh my God, I being cold is the worst thing ever. How could I? It is, but it's like the feeling after is like euphoric and it's Fuck. not that long. It, like for me, when people, when that people give that as a value prop, like for running, like I would never run and I hate running and people are like, you got a runner as high. And I'm like, yeah, but you got to do it for like fucking 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. For me, when you're saying go in the cold plunge for 30 seconds, I'm like, that's not that long. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. that's like very, you know, and I, and again, like a, like 90% is about anxiety but 10% is like it's really good for like deep puffing and like muscle recovery and like you just feel really good when you get out of the cold plunge it's so crazy the the moment cold plunges are having like I'm they are the moment I'm into it she's an it girl like (laughs) yeah it's like I literally got it delivered and my mom was here and she was like you're gonna have a bathtub in your garden and I was like yeah (laughs) I will I don't give a fuck I live in LA and this is my prerogative I have a big big old bathtub so, Do you see yourself like doing it all like every day? I think that I'll, I, once it's a part of my routine, I'll be good. Yeah. So I think I'll figure do it. that out. Yeah. 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 I also have this segment on my show called anti sadness, which mm. is like, what am I going to do this week to just not be sad? Mm. Like to kind of, cause mm. I, I believe like, sadness is a healthy part of life and i don't try to pretend that it's not going to happen and my uh, my anti-sadness this week is kind of a boring one it's literally just to walk every day because i've been traveling and so i haven't been in la to like do my walks i don't know if you have any thoughts on an anti-sadness for yourself this week i am going to rewatch um season one of real housewives of new york oh that's like that's like major anti-sadness for me is rewatching any old show that i like and it, as like a little project, I don't know. Some people think that that's depressing, but no. I think you just like have to remarket it to yourself and be like, it's like a little project. Like recently I rewatched Girls front to back and it was like the most amazing experience of my life. And I just like, I highly recommend it. It's so good. And I just love it so much more. And everyone on TikTok is actually rewatching Girls right now. But for me, rewatching comforting shows is like very anti-sadness. I've, that's awesome. I think anything that you do in life that is like fun is there's nothing wrong with agreed, it agreed agreed and i there i think i will at some point get in i've never seen any of the housewives but this weekend someone was telling me that the benefit to it is like you get all of this like gossip and drama in your life but it's not like personal so you get that yes. like itch scratched okay. but it's all with other people this is gonna sound crazy but just i, I do want to bring it full circle for a second for me why i initially got obsessed with housewives is because they were women of the age which as I mentioned before, I was afraid of becoming because I was worried I was going to be unhappy. So I was fascinated with like seeing which of the women were happy, like what aspects of their life, like who was the most satisfied. And obviously it's like slightly skewed because they're these like ridiculous, like wealthy women who live in like the major cities of America, but still from a sociological standpoint, I was like, I want to see. Like, whose marriage lasts? Like, why did the marriages break up? At what point did the marriages break up? Like, I'm telling you, I've been obsessed with female, ha- middle-aged female happiness since I was like five. Wait, that's so strange. So <laughs> weird. But it's like, it's, so it's interesting. And like, you do kind of notice patterns. Like, every season one castmate who's like, my marriage is rock solid. Like, we are literally so in love. Like, we're going to get our vows renewed. Every single one of them gets divorced by season three. What the fuck is it about? Okay, like... Yeah. And so it's like one thing I have noticed is like the more 
that a woman talks about like how amazing her marriage is, like kind of the worse it is. It's kind of more like of a, of a sham. That makes so much sense. Because, Which is like a true thing in life anyway. Yeah. I always think like over posting about something is always a sign that like something it, isn't. A hundred percent. Isn't great. hundred percent. Like, or if anyone like see, oh my God, full circle again, back to like me not trusting words or anything anyone says. Like if someone says something like about themselves, I fundamentally don't believe it. If they're like, I'm really confident or like, I'm like really good in bed. I'm like, you would never say that if you were. Whoa. I don't know. I just like, I don't know. I think people are like, it's bizarre. That is, first of all, I've heard that concept before and I, I've like gone back and forth on it where sometimes like someone, I have this one specific memory of someone I know saying, literally saying verbatim, I'm a good person. And I always felt, See, doesn't that make you feel weird? It did. It, it Yes. It, it's like, weird. I always was rubbed the wrong way by it, but I also like wanted to believe it because I was like, why would, why would someone say that if they didn't believe it was true? It's just it's like they're trying to convince themselves. And then now, though, we're in a trap where it's like, what if there is something I genuinely want to portray about myself? Like, I can't say but, but it. I, but I think it's different if it's like, if they're saying it in an analytical way, you know, like, like, you, you know, I'm trying to think of an example. If you're saying it in a way where it's like you're analyzing yourself and you kind of have something to back it up. But like people who are just like, I'm super confident. Like, you're like, are you? Like, that <laughs> reads weird to me. Yeah. You know? Right. Or like, anyone who's like, oh, our relationship's amazing. It's perfect. Like, no, we don't argue. Like, all that shit, you know? And you're just kind of like, is that true? Like, I don't know. Right. But also, on the flip side of that, like, I definitely lean towards being a person that, like, leads with the negative. Like, yeah. I'll be like... Oh, God, even just like today, someone like asked me about my house and I was like, just wanted, I was just like, oh, it's small and old. Yeah. And I'm like, that's just a like diff a weird example. But what's that? That's not good either. Yeah. Right. No. Yeah. You can't, you can't, but that is also to come back to it is like why you should be gracious at accepting compliments mm. like that's something that w i think we both need to work on from different standpoints you because maybe you do for whatever reason skew towards the negative in me because like i i don't believe anything <laughs> it says but it's like it's so nice to just say thank you so much that's really kind that's what i've been working on doing yeah is when people say that it's like you know i think if you're you know you're a comedian i talk a lot of shit on the internet and i think we always need to have a bit or like a yeah. like a, you know whatever you don't just let it die you don't want to just let it die but it, i've thought about this a lot and in the case of someone paying you a, a compliment the nicest smoothest thing you can actually do is just say that's really kind thank you so much and stop talking right because if i said to you right now like oh my gosh you're helping me so much you you give such great advice like it would be so weird if you were like no, no i'm not I'm, I you know it's like it's so cool to just be like you're so welcome like it's yeah, so cool that's, that's hot I'm massively working on that this year <gasps> um i love your solo podcast Thank in you. fact like i've listened to, i listened to a couple episodes today and was like wow you do such a good job at like picking a really great topic and breaking it down like efficiently and there was 
a couple episodes I really, really liked. One, oh my God, the episode about friendships changing yeah. and losing friends. Yeah. I haven't really heard people talk about that. It's so painful. It's, it's so, so painful. painful. Yeah. It's so painful. I, thank you for saying that. And I, I kind of did it because like, even though I have a few thoughts on it, I still need to like co- constantly be processing the f- changing friendships thing. It's so hard for me. Like I hate it so much. Like I get, I, uh, to be completely frank, after I did that episode, I got bummed out because I was thinking about all the friendships that have changed. And it's tough, man. It's tough to lose that closeness. Yeah, you basically, it made me think of like how the, you said like in different eras of your life at different ages, like there's just going to be natural shifts. And it made me realize like being where I'm at now, like people have kids, people break up with certain people yeah. and then you lose touch, like people's careers change, certain friends, pe- their careers take off and you never yeah. see them yeah. or your career takes off and you're like too busy. But yeah. you the other thing that hit me was like sometimes I drift apart from a friend because I don't like the version of myself that I was with them. Like there's so many different reasons why people grow apart from friendships. And it made me think of this concept called the long goodbye. Have you seen this TikTok? No. Okay. So I've been Googling it and it really is just this guy named Zerman Zane on, if that's his real name, that's amazing. (laughs) Um, And it's called The Long Goodbye, and it's this form of depression that I related to so hard. And basically what he does is he shows a photo of his friend group at one of his friend's weddings. And he says, on the outside in this photo, we're all celebrating my best friend's wedding. But on the inside, I'm thinking about the loss of our youth. And then he shows a picture and he goes, this is a picture of the day my daughter was born. But what I'm actually thinking is about how I'll never experience the joy of new fatherhood again. And then another example is like, here's a picture of my daughter on her first day of school. But it's but it's actually a picture of, uh, sorry, I lost my place. It's actually a picture of me realizing that my little girl isn't my little girl anymore. Oh. And so it's like, do you, this the long goodbye it's like instead of appreciating a moment for what it is you're just thinking about what you're losing yeah but in but if you flip it you think about like all the good stuff that lies ahead totally and i think for me the like a specific example that came up in my life is like i've been this is like so i hate this topic of conversation because it's the only thing people want to talk about with me but it's like i've been engaged for five years mm-hmm. and there's a lot of reasons I haven't gotten married yet. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot. There's mm-hmm. like a, so many. I've never drank alcohol and people mm-hmm. always ask why. I'm like, there's too many reasons. Like I can't explain it. Right. But one of them that pertains to this concept is that to me, getting married means that I take a step into adulthood mm-hmm. and like I'm now a wife. I'm not like a kid. I'm not mm-hmm. a daughter. Mm-hmm. And there is like a scariness to that that I, but it, I should flip it and say like, no, it's entering a new phase and looking forward. I don't know. Do you relate to this concept? 110%. So much. Like it's, I, I just like my heart is being pulled by that explanation. Like I just, Uh. I totally get it. And it's like, I think about that stuff so much and I really have always had a hard time with growing up. Like I've really had, and I think like, you know, sometimes I think about my being so okay with being single 
is like because I'm like, well, then I still have to like meet the person because it's still coming. Right. And I'm like wondering if that's it. And I think like the reason that I, you know, in my early 20s, when people started to get like serious boyfriends and move in with them, I felt betrayed. I was like, you're betraying our like girl gang. Like, what What do you mean you don't want to go get sushi every Friday night for the rest of our lives? Yes. Like, what do you mean you don't want to live in the room next to me forever and ever? And it's like, but then you do those things too and you realize it feels good. Like then I like finally moved to New York when I was like in my mid-20s and I was like, wait, I I get new things too. Yeah, and also the alternative is what you literally like, stay, like the you stay the same forever. Yeah. That's so scary and yeah. then you get bed sores and it's no, like it's not, not good. good. And it's like you just, you have to allow yourself to like, like for me when I'm feeling like bajiggity about the friend thing or the change or whatever, it's like number one, you're ma- also making room for the new stuff and the new stuff is rushing it around you. If you just like stop being sad and look around, it's oh, there. Yes. And then like the easiest, like fastest way for me to fix the loop is to say you're in the good old days. You're in the good old days. What does that mean? Like, you know, people say, Oh, I miss the good old days. I miss the you're good like, old days. You're and here it's like, now. we're in the good old days. We're in yeah. the ones in the future and you're going to look back. And I'm, and, and I also have proof of that because oh, every yeah. time, that I thought like, oh my, like when I left college, I was like, this is the end of my life. Like, it's never going to be that fun. And then in my young twenties, I was like, no, this is the best time of my life. Like, this is so fun. My friends are the best. Then when I moved on, I was like, wait, this is the best. You know, it keeps, you know, I'm, I'm nostalgic for every era. So you're going to be nostalgic for the era that you're in now. Oh, that I, like, even that makes me sad. And then I'm now know? I'm like, well, wait, then let's stay here. <laughs> All you can do is be grateful and be present. All you can do is ground yourself firmly in present day. How are you feeling today? How are you experiencing life today? How are you experiencing love today? How are you experiencing joy, sadness, friendship? I'm really encouraged that you also have struggled with this because I sort of attribute it a lot to like my anxious attachment, which I think comes from like this breakup wound. But it sounds like it's it might not just be that. And it's like a fear of getting older in general, or I don't know. Um, God, it's, it's also so annoying that the, basically the end of like any conversation in life should is always just be present and be grateful. Yeah. It's annoying, but it's like, well, fuck, then we better do it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's what I tell myself. I'm like, Jesus, Christina, you know, tanks, you know, you know, you know what you need to do. Like, it's hard. It's hard. And I, Yeah. I've been really in this space like this month because I I usually like I'm traveling and doing a lot of shit and I've had a very slow, quiet month. I didn't drink this month. And so I've been very in my head and I've been thinking, chewing on all this shit a lot. So I wanted to ask you about that because you you do dry January, which is like a thing that people do. And I'm curious, what does that do for you? Is it like do you have these big lessons at the end? Are you struggling to get through the days? Like, I genuinely am curious what that experience is like. I love it. I do it every year. I've done it for like four years now. Um, this year feels different. This year feels like it might be the beginning of a adjustment to my relationship with alcohol. Oh. Yeah. Cause I just, you know, I've, really done a lot of digging, done a lot of journaling, done a lot of therapy this January. And I think it might, it just feels like the beginning of something. I don't want to make any big proclamations because I've made them before, but it's, I'm cautiously 
optimistic and hopeful. I've got a good feeling that it's go- that this one is just going to help me really think about when and why I drink and how. Yeah. That's cool. I did uh, over the holidays. I went two weeks without having any weed, which yeah. is a, which was a very big deal for me. Yeah, and I felt. I just, I still feel pride over it. Of course. But it, the thought of trying to do that again right now makes me feel like yeah. that's impossible. I don't yeah. know. It's nice to do, like, that's what I was saying in the beginning. Like, I love little challenges, little stuff like that. It's like, cool. It's like, we're just like fucking around with our avatar, you know? We're like, what can we do this month that's like a fun experiment? <laughs> our avatars. Oh my God. Mine has pink pants. I don't know why <laughs> I want mine to be very girly. Um, Okay, so you and I both travel a lot for work, Mm -hmm. and I wanted to ask you if you have any airport routines to share. I'm going to tell you mine, which is so basic and so boring and so simple, but I've made this like a rule the last two years, and I it just brings me comfort. Is I always when I the first thing I do when I get to the airport is I buy myself a bottle of water and a magazine, and it's so basic. But I used to never do it because waters are like $9 and it's so offensive and like against my religion to do that. But I've been indulging and it's it helps provide me with like comfort and self-care. I'm like, I'm hydrated. So I'm pretty. I don't know. Do you have any routine airport hacks? Oh, my God. I am a freak about traveling. Like, so first of all, I think that um, maybe your listeners would find it interesting and I, my my followers always find it interesting. I only fly first or business. Oh my god, my I, my fiance is he does not want to hear that. <laughs> I I to me it like I would put that above getting a new bag, almost getting a new car. Like to me that is my number. People always say like, oh, what do you spend money on now? Now that you have your own money to spend and you make money, travel because. To me, traveling is a fiery hellscape. I take mm-hmm. no enjoyment in it. It's a very anxious experience. I don't like it. It stresses me out. It feels like they've got our nuts in a vice. <laughs> like the whole industry, there's nothing we can do. It's mean. Yeah. It's mean what they do. The prices, the, you know, your flight's canceled. Go fuck yourself. Like the baggage. We're so like, powerless. So powerless. And it's just like, it's not a pleasant experience. So, that is like one thing I will always spend money on. You invest hard in that. Really hard. Um, I bring my own food on the plane. I'm you known for my plane own. salads. Yes. Wait, whoa, you're paying that premium for first class, but mm. you're bringing your own yes, food? Yes, because it makes me feel comfortable. I don't like to eat their food. I don't like the little tins. They stress me out. I don't like... I don't like anything that they give me, honestly. Oh God, I always steal a little tin from first class. I take multiple meals even if it's a short flight i will take a yogurt granola chips a salad you know maybe several items from goop kitchen (laughs) (laughs) like i'm i'm hauling like a full catering service okay in my go bag i have hand sanitizer all natural jennifer fisher kitchen salt packets mini olive oils mini packets of almond butter i am attracted to you (laughs) right now badly it's burning inside of me two pairs of headphones i bring a reusable water bottle although that's difficult for me because i know that the water isn't filtered in the airport like in the watering things so it's it's always tough because i don't (laughs) like to drink water from plastic but then I'm like, you know, it's tough. But I bring my own water bottle. 
like empty you bring it empty. yes i bring it through um what what i just gotta know is it a hydro flask so for the plane i have a special one it's glass it's from porter it's really cute oh i love porter they yeah. make the chicest things yeah. randomly and i have a little tupperware from them too and that's where i put my snacks sometimes if i don't have a you know whatever this is so aspirational fuck if the flight is significant with jet lag i i will this is very important this is a huge tip that i learned from gwyneth paltrow mm-hmm. um goop.com actually if you want to not get jet lag don't eat on the plane so when i fly to london i'm from london when i fly to london i will eat a big meal before i leave i will brush my teeth which it gives me a lot of security floss brush clean do all my skincare do you water pick or just regular floss just regular floss okay and then i'll get on the plane and then i won't i'll just drink a lot of water and then as soon as i get there i will have a big meal again and it helps reset your circadian rhythms because part of the reason we get so jet lagged because we like we don't know like our body can't register the food in the way because we're in the air and all this shit and whatever um so i don't eat and also you get kind of constipated when you eat on planes because like if you think about it think about like a water bottle when you take it in the the air and there's the pressure and whatever and then you're landing and it goes you know like yeah you know what do you think your intestines are doing oh that's so freaking me out i I hate it i know but so that's why you should never eat anything heavy on planes like keep it really light eat like a salad fruit like a wrap like the I, and listen, guys, I used to f- get blackout on planes. That would be the only way that I could deal with it, my anxiety. I would drink like a bottle of champagne in the lounge and then I'd go on and eat like a steak or whatever. <laughs> like, Rock star lifestyle. That, that's the kind of shit you can do when you're in your 20s. Because Eating a you, steak on a plane is insane. It's wild, No right? one deserves that. No one deserves that. But now I like look ugly with everything I eat. You know, <laughs> to go on another tangent, my friend said something so true. She said, we were like 27 or 28. And she said, yeah, I was saying like, damn, I feel like I'd look different now. Like when I wake up, you know, when you're like 21, you can eat and drink whatever you want. You look, you look the same the next day. And she goes, yeah, now if I eat a piece of cake, I'm ugly the next day. (laughs) And I was like, that's fucking true. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, that's my plain tips. I love that. That's really great. And I am just now spiraling thinking about how I never had a phase where I was 21 and could just eat anything and still feel good. <laughs> I'm like, I've always just always, everything has always been bad. <laughs> um, okay. One of the last questions I have for you is uh, we're recording this on Monday night and there's been like some big swings in fashion this weekend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Kylie had a animal on her chest. Yes. Doja Cat, obviously, mm-hmm. is just became an alien for mm-hmm. our enjoyment, for our pleasure. Big swings are happening in, mm. un, in fashion. And I want to ask, how are we going to take this with what's happening in the culture and relate it to our daily, everyday life? So for me, I'm not like like that fashion-wise. So I, but I have a way that I'm applying it. And that is that I'm just going to double down on trusting whatever my instincts are mm-hmm. even more than I already have. And so even if that just means that like I'm going to wear a triple XL sweatshirt and like ripped unisex jeans because I feel like it, like I'm going to do it. I'm, that's going to be my swing if that's what my instincts are. Are there any ways that you see like big swings in fashion in your life? Yeah. I think it's, it's kind of a similar point to what you made which is that more and more i'm seeing fashion 
that's not for the male gaze. And to oh, me, yes. like both of those outfits really, the, uh, you know, the Chaparelli that uh, Kylie was in and the, and the Doja Cat, like million sequins thing was like, that is fashion for fashion's sake. It's not even for the female gaze. It's like for art. Mm-hmm. It's for like, expression Somebody's art project it's someone's art project yeah. it's expression it's truly for the sake of creativity and like that's a space an area that makes me feel very safe is like like art and expression and like doing things because you feel moved to create them or wear them or whatever and i feel like i want to step more into that space it's very comforting to me and i'm i'm very enthused to see People do that more and more. I think it's an exciting time for fashion and I will be really reflecting on, on that and, and trying to do it for myself and also just like carrying that further and being like, if I feel like writing a poem, I'm going to do it. Like, Dude, same, you know, and I've been so anti poetry that it like feels like a betrayal of who I w- was before this moment but i feel the same way like creative expression has been like unlocked in the culture yeah, yeah. in a way that i'm really clinging to and i'm like yeah i might write a sad poem like yeah. in 2023 i think it's all about just like i think that that is the antidote to like all that other shit that we were talking about like nostalgia mm. like feeling sad like all that being overwhelmed about change like the antidote for me has always been like create like literally create like go make a fucking collage go do an art project go drive your ass to the fucking paint store buy paints draw something make a tiktok make do for you do stand up like that's Mm -hmm. art that's like literally what it means to be human and we forget so often that that's what it is at least if you are like creatively minded if that doesn't resonate with you i understand but like for me it's that's what it's always been and we get so bogged down in like doing shit admin you know work taxes fucking paperwork parking tickets meeting up for group dinners all this bullshit but like it has always for me been sitting in my room and making something where i feel safe and nourished and happy so I love that you said sitting in your room because like another like ethos of this podcast is I like to say it's for people who spent the best year of their lives alone in their room. Totally. Because like I think that I am the way I am because I was like mostly raised as an only child because my sister is seven years older than me. And so I was like always just by myself in my room, like playing with Lion King yep. figurines. And yeah, make, and like that's, yeah. So that's what you do. That's how it's you, what you do. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh my God. Tinks, this has been so much fun to talk Thank with you. you. I am so grateful that you came over here Thank and like also, me. I'm a huge fan of your solo podcast. It's me Thank Tinks. You. People Thank definitely you. need to listen. And I mean, I'm, I haven't listened to the breakup one, but I really want to because I'm just curious. And maybe I'll like go through my high school breakup. You should, to your honestly. Breakup no, no, don't, don't. You're good. You're healed. You can Thank heal you. yourself. This is the year I feel. And what else should people who are new to you, if, if, if that's even possible, where should they find you? Instagram and TikTok at Tinks, mm-hmm. T-I-N-X. Cool. Thank you for having me. This Thank you wonderful. for being here.